एवरीवन वेलकम टू द चारवर्क पॉडकास्ट दिस इज योर होस्ट कुशल मेहरा ऑल राइट टाइम फॉर अनदर बुक डिस्कशन एंड टुडे वी आर गोइंग टू बी टॉकिंग अबाउट द बुक हिमंत बिश्व शर्मा फ्रॉम बॉय वंडर टू सीएम रिटन बाय अजीत दत्ता अजीत थैंक्स फॉर कमिंग ऑन द पॉडकास्ट थैंक यू सो मच कुशल भाई फॉर हैविंग मी so ajit before we start this is your first time on the charvak podcast so i will request you to tell all the listeners viewers of this podcast a little, you know if you could tell everyone a little bit about yourself first okay so uh, i am actually based out of pondicherry and uh, i am one of the voices behind uh, the frustrated indian which some of you might follow uh i have also founded uh the pondi literature festival uh yeah that is pretty much my profile uh yeah all right cool so now let's get into this so so first of all congratulations i i actually had a good time reading the book because uh, i'll be very honest i'm very jittery when it comes to reading uh, biographies of politicians especially sitting politicians so i was jittery when i was reading it i was like but you have really done a very good job and i don't say this uh, to butter you or anything i told this to you offline too that i really enjoyed reading the book so let's start with this so why did you pick himanta biswa sarma first of all that's my first question to you why himanta biswa sarma there are many other sitting chief ministers yeah. in india that you could have profiled and you could have followed and done so why did you think okay let me write a book on himanta biswa sarma okay so to begin with as you said this is the biography of a sitting politician and uh, i have followed politics since a very early age and political biographies uh, have been my favorite genre of uh, books uh, and the political biographies of uh, sitting politicians or politicians who are still active in the game uh, have uh, is something that i have particularly enjoyed reading because uh, that sort of uh, if you read such a biography of a politician who is still very active it gives you a lot of context immediately when you see them making their moves and things like that so that has always been a a very interesting genre for me so i had always wanted to work on a project like that it was on my bucket list uh, the reason i chose himanto bishwa sharma is because uh, see since 2014 a lot of people have switched sides from uh, many of the opposition parties to the bjp and generally what i have noticed is that uh, even amongst the bjp's core supporter base uh, for these people who are uh, who have come newly there is still a lot of suspicion a lot of doubt a lot of contempt towards them but this was a man who actually spent two decades in the congress and who came to the bjp and literally you know took like you know fish taking to the water it was uh, that was a very interesting phenomenon because he generated the, the the same enthusiasm amongst bjp supporters as any other bjp leader in fact in many cases even more than a lot of the established bjp leaders so uh, that uh, is something that i wanted to examine and i had uh, followed his uh, career very closely ever since he came into the bjp uh, because this was a, a very vibrant political career in the sense that you had a man who was going and conquering state after state for the bjp in a particular region of the country uh, quite an quite an unprecedented uh, thing because uh, after the call for congress mukh bharat that narendra modi made 
Uh, in fact, this was the first region in the country that became Congress booked. And uh, in 2014, when this call was made, nobody would have thought that the Northeast would have been the first region that would become Congress booked. And of course, he played a very important role as the as the head of the NEDA. So obviously, this was a very very interesting personality, probably the the right person to write a write such a book on. And uh, and so yeah, I mean, when I when I got a chance to sort of meet him and propose it to him, I did that, and and that's how the project proceeded. So let's get into this now. So I remember yeah. in the beginning of the book, uh, you know, so you say you talk about how you spent long hours with Himanta Biswas Sharma himself. You spoke to his family members, and um, and. And and you know how you delved into his life. In fact, you've gone and spoken to his teachers and, and and a lot of his colleagues at that time, whether it's political colleagues or colleagues in his college. So here's my question. First question now about. Hmm. So when you go about writing a book as an author, right? Now you're such a young guy. So how did you decide? Okay, I'm going to leave this part in because it's clearly you would have known a lot more, and a lot of it has not come into the book. So, how did that process go about, and how was it? How how hard was it, or was it easy, or uh, how did the process go? Yeah, so the process actually there were a lot of uh, ups and downs in the process because uh, this entire book was written almost entirely during the first wave of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I actually spent almost three weeks with him in Assam. And uh, I saw how he, uh, you know, how, how his day is, what he does, etc. Got I got a feel of basically how he functions, and I got a, a chance to meet a lot of people around him and interview a lot of people who have been uh, part of different phases of his life. Uh, so, uh, but even then, three weeks was not enough. So I had to actually conduct a lot of the interviews uh, on on the telephone uh, afterwards because I could not travel to Assam again. There was a lockdown for a long for a long time. So uh, so that was what the process was. Now, basically, uh, when it comes to what you keep and what you leave out in terms of the information that you get. Uh, See, people like him obviously uh, have been in politics since a long time, since many decades. So, you will get a lot of information that you cannot confirm all the time. You will get a lot of you know things that uh, that can potentially be rumors that that you have no way of finding out the truth about. And if there is a way in which you can incorporate it uh, with such a caveat. Then uh, you try to do that to the best of your capacity. But then there are many things that come about when you're interviewing people about him, which uh, which are things that there is no way you can verify, and which uh, you would not even want to put in a book like that in case you know this is something that that is just uh, an allegation or something malicious. So it at the end of the day, it's a, a judgment call that you have to take. I mean. Uh, that that's about it, I guess. Yeah, in fact, uh, in the book, you uh, was it if I remember correctly, it was his college times and his separation of sometimes, and there are two or three multiple theories about it, right? So, yes, yes. So, 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 so maybe we can start there. So, how? So, first of all, I appreciated the fact that you shared all the three, you know, theories about why he went about doing X, Y, Z, or A, B, C. Now. 
in such a scenario, again, I want to ask this. How do you decide? Because look, what happens is in my experience, at least of whatever little political or social activism I've done in my life is hmm. political people love to gossip a lot. I don't know how to say yeah. it other than that. They, they, they are the quintessential, you know, nukkadka chaiwala sitting on the katta, <laughs> gossiping the shit out of everything. So when you are actually writing about a politician, how do you decipher? I mean, I want to pick your brain about that. आपने ये decision कैसे लिया कि यार इसको मैं mention करूँगा ये तो कुछ ज़्यादा ही हो गया है. So were there moments like that when you were actually researching? हाँ हाँ, of course there were moments like that. But then uh, the thing is that see there are some things again that are very much there in the public domain. I mean. in the sense that there are uh, let's say for instance that there is an allegation that is made against him uh, now this is not uh, an allegation that is you know being revealed to me by somebody very secretly who has been a part of his life at some point this is an allegation that will probably already exist in the public domain with multiple theories around it including uh, his own version of it so then uh, in such a scenario if that particular allegation has played an important role in his career positive or negative doesn't matter but it has affected his career in some way then you try to incorporate it giving the various versions including his version of what he has to say you have a very interesting line in the beginning of the book where you say himantas mm-hmm. years in primary school were the only ones which didn't see his direct involvement in active politics let us yes. talk about this so so what do you mean when you say something like this like so i we are we saying the man was in politics forever yes pretty much so that's the that's the <laughs> thing because he yeah i mean he joined politics at the age of 10 i mean he became he joined public life at the age of 10 because at that time the assam agitation was raging so uh, that was the time when uh, the moment he transitioned to the kamrup academy which is uh, probably at a i mean the, the at the high school level so uh, at uh, since then he has been a part of the assam agitation uh, so he and and not just you know as as somebody who is going about it uh, as one of the many activities but as somebody who was uh very much a part of it very much at the center of it since since that age of uh, i mean he must have joined it and become a part of it for the first time at the age of 10 or 11 but even by the age of 12 or 13 he was absolutely at the center of it so uh that is the reason why uh, primary school was the only time where we did not see his involvement in active politics ever since he has been very much at the center of the action so 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 i'd request you for the benefit of mm. uh, you know the the subscribers of this podcast yes explain to people what the assam agitation was and and let us assume that people actually don't know about it because there is a segment of people who are you know 15 to 20 who may really not know about it who are listening to this podcast so could you tell everybody a little bit about the assam agitation i know the book does not deal in detail about that but it it will give a very good context to people in my view about understanding why and how the leader gets developed and how and uh, how a political class you know is literally built on significant events let's say i'll give you my example right so when yes. ram janmabhoomi happened in hmm. the early 90s i was a baby right 10 12 11 12 year old baby that movement had such a profound effect on me that it changed me as a human being 
it fundamentally mm-hmm. changed me as a human being where i realized okay so there is something called a civilization there is something that i have to fight for because in the case of a lot of people in assam right this agitation meant a lot for them fundamentally at a political yes. level yes. so let's talk a little bit about that yeah so this is actually a very interesting agitation because you know it uh, it actually uh, continues to uh, to shape discourse and politics even today in assam and uh, almost i mean probably every government since that time has sort of been formed because of this agitation that took place so basically this agitation began in uh, 1979 it lasted till 1985 and uh, the whole basis of this agitation was because illegal immigration had become very rampant now uh, illegal immigration from bangladesh was uh, something that began uh, at the beginning of the the 20th century itself and then there were several waves of it and uh, there was uh, i mean in assam the the student uh, student politics was something that uh, that held a very central place because uh, there were a lot of student movements that had taken place right from the british era like the refinery movement is a good example where you know the british wanted to set up a refinery in calcutta but uh, this particular students movement sort of compelled them to uh, to have it in assam where the oil actually was so uh, such student movements uh, held a very important place in uh, in assam since a long time and so there was this student movement which began uh, basically trying to compel bengali students to uh, give up on bengali as uh, and adopt assamese as the official language because that was obviously the language of the region of that was key to the to the civilization there so that's how it began and then this movement obviously gained a lot of traction because uh, illegal immigration was not just destroying language but it was destroying a lot of other parts of their culture as well of their identity and uh, of course there were economic implications to it also so uh, the asu which is the all assam students union uh, was uh, almost like at the forefront of this but uh, what happened was that in 1979 there were two students one was of course prafulla mahanta the other one was brigu fukan and they were probably both in their early 20s at that point and uh, they took over uh, the asu as the president and the general secretary and uh, at the same time they put this agenda out of what the organization would sort of uh, Uh, would have as its objectives and uh, a lot of these objectives uh, were to do with this particular illegal immigrant issue and how that would be dealt with so that is how the assam movement began and it was basically a campaign to uh, to sort of deport a lot of the illegal immigrants stop illegal immigration etc i mean uh, there are a lot of nitigrities to it as to you know which uh, what was the acceptable date and all of that but uh, basically this was the idea behind the movement that uh, illegal immigration had to be stopped at a, at every cost and this movement lasted from 79 to 85 85 is when the assam accord was signed so now this is a very interesting movement because uh, at the time that this movement was happening it was something that was purely student centric it was led by students in different parts of the state and uh, 
these students sort of express themselves in in different ways so uh some of them obviously you know took up uh, express themselves using art some of them uh you know tried to probably lobby with uh with the government and there were people who even took up arms so these people were the ones who would go on to become uh what we know as the ulfa today later but at the beginning of this agitation when it was taking place there was no difference between these people i mean they were all part of the same students com- student community they were you know mingling with each other they were uh, they had this uh, they had this common agenda that they wanted to fulfill and uh, and they they were go and and they were young so they 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 did not really you know they, they were not really cut out for politics as such they were just going about it as as a movement so uh, then later when this uh, when the accord finally was signed in 1985 at that point uh, the agp was launched uh, by uh, mahanta and fukan and the, this movement had completely engulfed the state by then and every section of the assamese society the indigenous assamese society supported uh, this movement so basically the agp swept the elections that took place a few months later and uh, then you had this uh, you know these two boys who were in their late 20s as the chief minister and the home minister of the state uh, but until that took place and then you know uh, they started getting involved with uh, the with the government and uh, with with the other powers such as the central government etc there was really no division between what the ulfa was what the agp was what the asu was it was like a melting pot basically and suddenly overnight you had some of them who were sitting in government you had others who were who were who were labeled as a terrorist organization they were being chased in the jungles etc so that's how this movement uh, i mean that, that's how it unraveled later but yeah i mean uh, in between the the period from when uh, it began uh, in 79 to the point where uh the 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 assam accord was signed in 85 is what is considered to be the assam movement and uh, i think in it uh, it was signed in august 1985 on 15th august and by december uh, they had already launched the agp and they were in government mahanta and fukan so another uh, and uh, i am asking this is because there is a lot of confusion about this subject too A lot of people are confused about what was the actual basis behind the Assam movement. Was it primarily a linguistic issue? Was it primarily a religious issue? Or was it primarily a geographical issue? From what I have understood, it was a bit of geography, a bit of linguistics, right? Uh, and uh, a yeah. smattering of religion. But religion was not really the essence of the whole thing, right? No, it wasn't the essence of the whole thing at that point. Definitely. Uh... i mean see a lot of the tall leaders of the assam movement were indigenous assamese muslims even so uh, so th- that is that is something that uh, th- that came about much later i mean the assam movement if uh, as it is known today or let's say uh, how i mean the direction that it has taken today is obviously much more religious than it was at that point uh so it had started obviously as a linguistic issue then it became predominantly about illegal immigration yeah so now let us talk about something that you mentioned in the book so i want to read it so you say yes because uh, up 
so from your book it seems like this is a very significant institution in the state of assam so you say cotton college is not just another college in assam it has been the crucible of the region's intellectual tendencies and therefore a vital part of the region's psyche considered the mother institution of the northeast and closely intertwined with its politics since decades what happens in cotton is closely observed by the entire region traditionally the role that the student community has played in shaping assamese politics and identity has added to the significance and prestige of the institution so now here's my question so yes. so why is this one unique institution so important and what role did it have to pay play in that sense in himanta biswa sharma's life oh so basically uh, cotton college was i think uh, the the first big institution educational institution that the british had established in the region and uh, all the other institutions sort of came much later so that is the reason why it's considered the mother institution but at the same time uh, actually let me just give you the figures from there or you can uh, uh, it's just a continuation of uh, the, the the part that you just read out basically a lot of the uh, a lot of the student a lot of the chief ministers of the state have also come from that college so that college has given uh, uh yeah so you mentioned 7 out of 15 7 of the 15 right? ministers of assam including i mean himanta biswa sharma who was the last one so uh, uh so it is almost like uh, a bit like jnu where you know whatever happens there is part of uh, the national headlines etc a lot of the student leaders they go on to become big politicians in whichever parties that they go on to join etc but uh, but it has definitely much more of a hold in state politics than jnu has at a national level so uh, because you see if seven of the 15 chief ministers have also come from there so uh, this is uh, basically the uh, the thing about uh, himanta biswa sharma's connection with cotton college is that uh, the prestigious post of the general secretary of the student body is uh, something that he held for three terms and uh, this is a record i think nobody else has held this post for three terms so uh, that is where he really made a mark as uh, as a student leader and that is where i mean he was actually noticed by the political class of the state as somebody who was who definitely had a had a political future in him so uh, and this was after the assam agitation so he had already finished that part of his life and now he was making his mark as a student leader in cotton college so uh, yeah i mean that is and and of course there was uh, a lot of things happened with uh, with him as the general secretary of the student body uh, in terms of a lot of infrastructural developments a lot of other uh, issues at cotton college were dealt with because of him so that is the reason why uh, that is the reason his connection to cotton college has always been very important hmm. you know another interesting thing that uh, shrot to me was quite an astute political animal because you you quote him in saying that uh, to his friend uh, uh, rahul mohanta right yes. he says that uh, about the Ra- ram janmabhoomi movement i mean i'm yes, surprised yes. a man had this discussion so you say him quote this is no ordinary movement the bjp will come out come to power one day they will dominate national politics now damn when was this what year was this when he said that so this would have been at the time of the ram janmabhoomi movement in the early 90s uh, in the first half of the 90s 
so uh, that is when so rahul mantha is a very close friend of his and uh, he was somebody who was he's currently a professor there and he was not really involved in student politics so this is somebody with whom he used to speak his mind very freely at that point uh, he was like a, a bouncing board of sorts for him so uh, a lot of these interesting insights from that period that he had is something that uh, this person gave me so uh, amongst them was of course this insight when he saw that this movement was and at that time nobody in assam really was paying any attention to the ram janmabhoomi movement i mean unless you were somebody who who was a political animal and a political observer themselves most people had not even noticed that something like that was going on in the country uh it was also a time when uh he was undergoing a, a transition in his life where he was realizing that uh this entire uh, uh this entire assam agitation uh it has now come to an end and you know they they need to get out of the agitational mindset he was also realizing the that uh, they cannot look at things from the from the state's perspective anymore they need to adopt a more national perspective to look at uh, to look at issues concerning assam so uh, that was also one of the things that he actually told somebody while uh, while switching over to the congress that we will have to you know use a national platform now uh, we we will you know i mean if we really want to change the state uh, these options in the state will not work anymore so uh, so i mean i'm not surprised that he was following what was going on uh, especially in terms of the bjp emerging onto the national scene at that time very closely now <clears throat> i, I want to talk about another aspect which i think this is chapter 2 of your book where you talk hmm. about his relationship with uh, obviously the former chief minister hitesh sahakia right so yes in, in your assessment if i was to ask you was he probably one of the most important figures when it comes to his political mentoring he was the most important figure when it comes to his political mentoring i mean there is no doubt about that this is something that he he also tell everybody a little bit about uh, uh, mr sahakia also you know yeah, i so, think hmm so mr hiteshwar saikia uh, was a congressman uh, and he much like uh, himanto bishwa sharma also started uh, his public life at a very young age as a teenager as a young teenager and in the freedom struggle uh, but then uh, later after he you know uh, completed his academics and all of that and he started teaching history in his hometown as a as a teacher uh uh it is only after that that he finally joined politics and he rose the ranks in uh assam's congress party uh and he held several crucial portfolios and much like himanto bishwa sharma he had a reputation of being a a very uh a, a very efficient minister a very ad- efficient administrator at the same time a very cunning clever strategist uh who could uh who could really uh, tackle political issues etc and uh, he finally went on to become the chief minister of the state under the congress party uh, now hiteshwar saikia is somebody i mean his significance really is that he sort of broke the assam movements back he uh, for, of course the, the assam accord also took place when he was the chief minister but later uh, what he did was that he went after the ulfa 
and he completely dismantled them and uh, he also went after the uh, all assam student union which was like the the mothership of the whole movement and he pretty much dismantled them as well and uh, so the, the the big component of dismantling the asu was of course to co-opt himanto biswas sharma and bring him to the congress party to his side and then later both of them went on to sort of very systematically uh, you know break break the asus back in various college campuses etc and bring the nsui in into the picture again there so uh, that is who hiteshwar saikia was so use the very specific line in the book you say in a sense himanta was both saikia's sledgehammer and periscope so so you say hmm. saikia's grand plan was to pull youth sentiment across the state away from the clutches of aasu asu this required organizational prowess in student body elections a domain where himanta had no match it also required an intellectual dismantling of asu's narratives and here too an insider like himanta was an asset to saikia so it seems like here's a scenario where um this is a unique combination to use modern uh street level lingo is that you have to have the qualities of a hustler so so there is a there is this side to himanta vishwa sharma it seems that he's a hustler so you know he he knows the game so he knows how to hustle so he if if uh, if as they say shit hits the roof you know he's going to get down there get his hands dirty and get the job done while at the same time if if things need to be done where okay i need to strategize or i need to intellectualize something um i i, I can get it done too now this is a very interesting thing because in my experience politicians are either intellectuals and go to rajya sabha or politicians are hustlers and end up in lok sabha that that's the standard mold so how do you think himanta vishwa sharma breaks that mold no i mean uh, i i don't know about the others but like having uh, sort of observed him very closely and having uh, researched a lot on the way he functions he uh, sort of defies these binaries completely i mean uh, i don't think uh, you can either uh, there, there are actually i have written this in the introduction also that uh, i saw elements of many of the leaders that are well known today in him and these leaders if you look at them by themselves are very contrasting personalities but then you have traits of all of them in him so he sort of checks out all these boxes so like he definitely has traits that are very similar to arun jetli at the same time he has traits that are very similar to uh, nitin gadkari and an amit shah and a yogi adityanath so there are uh, i mean he he checks out multiple boxes like that so he's he's really like a, a very consummate all round politician in a certain sense uh and uh, he's somebody who who is uh, who manages to set the intellectual narrative in the state uh somebody who himself uh has uh he's somebody who's quite accomplished academically himself at the same time he's somebody who uh who has sort of uh risen the ranks literally through street fighting in a certain sense in politics so you have both those aspects very strongly yeah which is which is very interesting i know uh, you know a lot of politicians go through that but there is that you know image sometimes in politics of people uh, i am a strict mm. intellectual i i i write papers yes. i sit in the economic council which seems like because i'll tell you why that that aspects not to me because 
there is a line in your book where you say, I think I will teach there when I retire from politics. So can you tell where he intends to teach? So basically, you know, this was actually when uh, I accompanied him to his constituency and he was showing me all the, the developmental works that he had undertaken there. And uh, he showed me this school that was being built there, uh, which was obviously something that he was taking a lot of interest in. It was one of his absolute pet projects. And uh, they were uh, it was not an ordinary school, basically. Uh, there were a lot of interesting uh, things that were going to sort of happen in that school. I think some kind of an alternate system of education and all of that. So he was quite excited about that project. So, uh, I mean, he probably made that remark in jest. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he did say that, that, you know, I'm probably planning to like after I'm done with my political career, I will probably retire and teach there. So, uh, yeah, that was the context of that that line. Yeah, because that 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 really stood out to me when I was reading the book. It was very <laughs> interesting. I was like, okay, so first of all, here's a politician who says, "I'll retire from politics," which is very unlike <laughs> politicians who don't want to retire. It's like yeah. they, there is only incoming, there is no outgoing <laughs> in yeah. politics. You you usually get thrown out of politics, but here's a politician who mm-hmm. has so much clarity. That, that that the politician has an exit plan. So I, I'll tell you why it stood out to me. That A, the person has a, a life beyond politics, which uh, which is very hard. I mean, I've met a few politicians in my life and what I've realized is they're so engrossed by the process. It's not their fault. It's a very time-consuming career. If po- people yeah. don't realize a politician's life sucks. Like If you are a member of parliament, yes. for example, yes. your number is on the website. Anybody can call you anytime in the day and just yeah. say, Mera chappal chori ho gaya, tu mera MP hai, kuch to kar. <laughs> you know, you can't say anything yeah. bad to the person in the return, yeah. even if tu exactly. chappal chori ho hai, aur MP ka kaam nahi hai. And here's a guy yeah. telling you in a casual conversation that, hey man, I'll retire from politics and I'm gonna, you know, teach here. Now, d- didn't that stand yeah. like, uh, didn't that jolt you when the politician said that? No, I mean, it was obviously surprising if you look at it in that sense. But uh, I mean, I still believe that it was said in jest. Uh, I mean, uh, it was not some kind of a, you know, grandstanding type of a statement where, you know, uh, like Narendra Modi saying that, you know, if you don't elect me as prime minister, I will return to selling tea or something like that. It was actually like a a very casual thing said in jest. I mean, uh, I, I don't. I, I don't think. Uh, I mean, there is a possibility because he certainly has that clarity. Uh, he and more than clarity, he certainly has that uh, that confidence uh, that you know. I mean, that he sort of is very much in control of things. So, at the end of the day, if he does decide to retire, it will be his own decision and not uh, not the decision of you know uh, X Y Z, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I still believe that particular line was said in jest. Hmm. So now let's talk about this. Uh, he obviously is a multiple time member of the Legislative Assembly from a very specific constituency. Now, hmm. well, 
why that constituency first of all you know you can mention the name of the constituency and obviously he lost the first time but then since then he's pretty yeah. much winning that constituency non stop and he's made it his own i mean till the extent i remember a quote in the book he's like wo kidhar se bhi lade wohi jeetne wale aur koi jeet nahi sakta udhar se wohi jeetenge udhar se aur koi jeetta nahi hai you know the immediate example would be you know yogi adityanath in his constituency in uttar pradesh where he keeps on winning time and again too yeah. kind of a scenario so so what made it his constituency let's let's talk about that and also the name of the place yeah so this constituency is called jalukbari and uh, it is uh, basically an outskirt of uh, guwahati uh, so the the story goes that basically he uh, was called there when he was working as hitoshwar saikya's right hand man he was just he had just come out of cotton college but he was obviously still very much involved in student politics and uh, he used to visit cotton college often and he had gone there and there were two clerks in cotton college who were very close friends of his since his student days and they told him that uh, we are having a function in our village why don't you come and speak there for uh, as a speaker it was not nothing particularly political about it and uh, he went there as a speaker and he, he gave a, a nice speech and all that and uh, and then uh, from there like there were a few others who asked him to you know attend a few more events around there as a speaker because uh, i mean he had already made a name for himself as somebody who was very close to the chief minister and a student leader and all that and so he accepted those invitations and then suddenly he noticed that uh, there were people from the villages who used to come to him at those uh, speeches or those addresses and they used to take him back to the village and show him some particular developmental work that was let's say stuck for a while or that had been promised and had not taken place or there was somebody who was uh who was uh eligible uh, for a government scheme but uh there was some issue and you know the payment was not coming through and those kind of issues and uh, he would very diligently you know deal with all of these things i mean this was always part of his nature since the beginning it's even uh, there now if you go to him with a particular problem he makes sure that he sort of takes care of it especially like you know if an individual comes with such an issue which concerns the government and all of that he uh, he makes sure that it's uh, it's taken care of so that's how he started uh, you know doing things there and the word sort of spread so whenever he was there uh, there were people who were lining up to get their government works done he also expedited a lot of the projects that were in a limbo at that point there in that constituency so he sort of developed a, a base there uh, but that was obviously not an easy constituency because brigo fukan himself was uh, elected from that constituency he was the mla there so uh, it would have been uh, a very tall order to defeat him but when hiteshwar saikya came to know that uh he's sort of nurturing that constituency in a certain sense he decided that uh he will uh he will make sure that himanto gets elected from there because that would uh that would be a very symbolic victory in the sense that you uh he would sort of enter the assembly election after having uh defeated uh, like as a giant killer after having defeated like one of the biggest stalwarts of the assam movement and as a young uh, politician who was also part of the assam movement that would have helped uh, saikia sort of uh, emerge as the or the congress party rather 
emerge as the party where the new generation of uh, leaders belonging to that movement are actually finding a home and therefore the youth of the state that is uh, completely uh, taken by this movement would naturally shift to the congress party so there was a lot of symbolism in that and that's why uh, saikia pushed himanta to contest that seat and even promised that uh, he would help out with the funding with a campaign etc uh, but then uh, i think towards the end of the campaign saikia's health deteriorated and uh, he actually passed away in the coming days but at that point he was completely unable to help himanta or any of the other candidates out i mean at that point he was also co- controlling the congress machinery much like uh, himanta controls the bjp machinery today where you know he would manage things right down to the ground level to the booth level he would manage the funding of candidates etc so uh, the entire congress campaign sort of completely collapsed including himanta's campaign and so he could not win his first assembly elections from there uh but later he returned after 5 years so he returned actually after narasimha rao told him explicitly to go back there which is a very interesting story because he had gone to see narasimha rao and uh, narasimha rao of course was very close to hiteshwar saikia so he remembered him on the from that time and basically himanto had decided that after this election he would shift to delhi he would practice in the supreme court because that had been one of his dreams uh but narasimha rao told him that you return to the constituency because uh, what rao told him is something that he still quotes very often uh, basically that nobody remembers i mean nobody thinks twice if an mla goes to the constituency but people take note when the losing candidate keeps returning to help out so uh, so it is in that light that he returned there and he sort of built a base worked his way and finally he defeated fukan in the 2001 elections assembly elections and ever since he has been an mla there he has won with massive margins and he has really transformed that constituency completely uh but in that intervening period of 5 years when he built that base he got a chance to interact with people very closely uh, he had built a database and he literally knew most people with their through their first name and all that so he he became very intimate with the constituents so uh, i mean today obviously after having spent a lot of time as a minister with other responsibilities and all of that he doesn't know all of them as well but he still keeps in touch with uh, most of the families there and with people in the constituency at large so that is a special connect that he has with this constituency so even as a member of the legislative assembly he's so, so what i noticed was he's had quite an interesting role as a minister so in his first stint he was what st- minister of state for agriculture and for planning and development then he's also held uh, you know uh, the minister uh, he's been the health minister and i think he's even taken over as an education minister so in your research where do you think uh, in terms of his real work and what uh, i mean in terms of his uh, obviously it's a current political career but we you know it's a long one right i mean it's been going mm-hmm. on so so uh, yeah. probably in his ministerial campaigns what do you think is his most everlasting legacy in that sense it's definitely the health sector i mean he has completely transformed the state's health sector it was probably one of the worst in the country when he took over and uh, so it was a promotion for him because he got this portfolio which was quite a quite a coveted portfolio 
but then it was like a crown of thorns at the same time because i mean the the doctor to patient ratio was really bad the maternity mortality the the child mortality i mean the neonatal mortality i mean on every indice they were performing very badly uh there was a complete uh, lack of doctors in the state they did not have enough medical colleges so he completely transformed the health sector he started by constructing medical colleges by bringing uh by bringing faculty from other states especially assamese faculty who had moved to other states other parts of the world also he brought them back into these colleges he made sure that these colleges became up and running at the same time he leveraged this national rural health mission to to the hilt absolutely built several district hospitals clinics etc uh and basically he completely and and he brought several uh i mean several medical practices that that were completely absent in the state for which people had to go to either kolkata or to some other part of the country to to get done were brought into the state gradually so he somebody was completely transformed the healthcare of assam so that is definitely i mean that i mean even though he has become chief minister and all of that now that continues to be his lasting legacy there is no doubt about that uh as the education minister also i mean that was a, a much shorter stint but he uh he again filled up a lot of the vacancies he removed this uh, entire system of interviews where uh basically teachers were appointed at the at the primary levels and all of that using political patronage it was taking quite a hit on the on the quality of education so uh there were those moves and then uh later as the uh, pwd minister in the sonowal government uh which is from 2016 to 2021 he really worked on the rural infrastructure of the state so uh yeah i mean these uh these all uh, basically he has been a fantastic administrator he has performed in whichever ministry uh whichever ministerial responsibility that he has taken but yeah health still remains the biggest uh, legacy in a certain sense for him all right now let's jump right into the jisko kehte hain masale wali baat in the book <laughs> let's talk about his move into the bjp but i have to read this yeah. this one was like yaar ye kya hai so i think this was so i'm reading your book when himanta started considering the bjp as a serious option he once lamented to digvijay singh about the treatment he had received at the hands of the congress high command yeah. the former madhya pradesh cm was an old friend of himanta's having been the general secretary in charge of assam for many years he had an understanding of the state's politics he also knew the extent of himanta's reach and popularity in the state कोर्ट इधर कांग्रेस कुछ नहीं होने वाला है नथिंग पॉजिटिव विल कम ऑफ रिमेनिंग इन द कांग्रेस सिंह टोल्ड हिम द वेटरन कांग्रेसमैन देन एडवाइज्ड हिमांता टू जॉइन बीजेपी द पार्टी वाज हेडेड वाज हेडेड बाय सीरियस पॉलिटिशियंस ही टोल्ड हिमांता ही अशोर्ड हिम दैट द राइट विंग हिंदू पार्टी व्हिच इज नोन टू बी हाईली क्रिटिकल ऑफ वुड बी राइट होम फॉर हिमांतास एडमिशंस नाउ दिस आई डिड नॉट नो अंटिल आई रीड योर बुक फुल डिस्क्लोजर सो that was that was fantastic to know but what the hell digvijay singh of all the people advising him nobody would have dreamt yeah. of in the highest in their wildest dreams yeah i mean this is something that is uh, quite uh, i mean it's it's not really hidden it's known in his close circles and all of that and uh, they they told me this openly there no objection with uh, 
me even publishing this tidbit but uh yeah this is uh basically uh, it it's a I, i guess i mean he sort of had a very personal relation with uh with himonto he uh, really saw him uh, for what he was in assam and i think this was basically like just a, a friend telling another friend something like a a piece of career advice maybe but uh, yeah that, that, that's about it yeah but you know what's interesting is like hmm. let's get it you know in in terms of you know how the social media imaging is or how how group think has completely percolated down the average political follower right but hmm. here is a case of a man who was pretty much a congressman for a large part of his career to hmm. go from the congress to the bjp and now yeah. to to become a chief minister of the state obviously you know in this in after a while and finally getting hmm. rewarded by the bharatiya janata party in that sense now what did you make of it in your research i mean how how has he transformed so easily from the congress culture because obviously both the parties have very different cultures right yeah. i mean bjp is a very different culture from congress so how do you think he has adjusted in that sense so this is a very interesting question because obviously i mean this is this still continues to be the highlight of his career right in a certain sense and uh, basically if you look at his uh, a lot of the interviews that he gave after joining the bjp uh, when he was asked about this transition he is very candid about the fact that uh, it was a difficult transition for him in terms of political culture because uh, you know this is a party where uh, the high command is probably like calling him twice or thrice a month to delhi and you know getting his opinion on how to sort of go about things in the region and what to do and uh, basically like they they have a very uh, they have actually shown a lot of interest in the region they uh that they, they take the region very seriously whereas uh in the congress party of course you know you would go there camp there for days weeks together you would often you know return without even meeting anybody and things like that so they so this is a, a difference a very stark difference that he obviously feels in terms of political culture but at the same time uh, if you look at his statements about the rss uh there is a lot of familiarity because these people were part of the assam agitation the rss actually played a role in the assam agitation they helped the asu out especially at a logistical level and uh, he in fact uh, even remembers attending shakhas as a teenager because uh, he was uh, he says that i have been friends with these people since my student days now uh, that is one aspect to this whole transition but the other aspect is that those very uh, let's say core values or core ideals that he uh, picked up during the assam agitation is something that at an ideological level he has not compromised on or at least even in the congress party he has attempted not to compromise on to the best of his capabilities so uh, for instance uh, if you look at uh, how uh, so for instance when he was the chief strategist of the party uh for the entire region there was a lot of pressure from the high from the high command that you have to ally with badruddin ajmal 
but he was the one who used to put his foot down saying that you know we cannot do that kind of politics here and today with his exit you see that they have actually they are in alliance uh now so these are like some of the places even politically where you see that his ideology uh sort of never really changed even from his asu days even in the congress party so uh ideologically this shift would not have uh would not have been a, a big shift for him i mean yes it would have been a big shift in the sense that this entire movement as it is today is not seen from an ethnic perspective but from a religious perspective so that is a shift that has taken place uh, not at an individual or a personal level but uh, in terms of the entire constituency that he caters to since his assam agitation days uh but yeah i mean at an ideological level at the level of the rss uh he uh those factors have definitely made this transition easier so yes i mean the only the only issue that he has faced is of political culture uh but yeah that is about it so uh if i was to say i mean i again this line i found very interesting of your book this is in the latter half of your book where you say among bjp supporters himanta has gained many admirers for his ideological clarity it can also be argued that he was rewarded with assam's top job when the party returned to power in 2021 only because of it many would disagree though and point to the fact that between 2016 and 2021 his influence and support had grown too big for him to remain a mere cabinet minister in the state the bjp has traditionally refused to let such factors arm twist the leadership into making appointments now this is a very interesting bit right but nobody can deny the fact that he has played a pivotal role in not just yeah. in the rise of bjp in assam but in the overall northeastern sector per se right yeah. would that or would yeah. that be an inaccurate assessment sorry come again like he has played an important role in not just in assam but in the whole northeastern region right yes is yes, absolutely in the form of neda i mean there is no congress government uh, in the in the in the entire region anymore that's a mandate that he was given uh, in 2015 uh when they won the elections that uh i mean you will not just have ministerial responsibilities but you will have this this massive political responsibility as well and he was given the mandate of the neda and within two or three years he completely transformed the entire political landscape of the region i mean neda did it under his leadership and there there are i mean there are a lot of others who also played a very important role whether it was uh, ram madhav ji whether it was sunil deodhar ji there are a lot of such people who played very important roles uh, of course the local leadership as well in various states mr biran singh uh, and uh, mr uh, uh, sorry yeah so these uh, local leaders so yeah but uh, obviously at the helm of neda he was the person who was uh, uh, who was at the forefront of it in a certain sense yeah all right so ajit now we'll take a few live viewer questions because i want to yeah, take yeah, them yeah. too the first one was already answered so you know somebody had asked what made himanta biswa sharma shift his ideology and why well it's clear you have shown through uh, that there was really no shift in ideology it was just hmm. that the politics of the state was as such that eventually the bjp was the natural home for him but yeah <laughs> somebody log kya jazbati hote kya question puchte hain 
चलो बोलते डू यू थिंक ही इज गोइंग टू बी द नेक्स्ट पीएम सो डू डू यू सी हिज रोल एंड अ लार्जर नेशनल लेवल इन द फ्यूचर वेल इट इज ऑलरेडी हैपनिंग इन अ सर्टेन सेंस बिकॉज़ हिज रोल वाज uh even when he was in the congress party it was not restricted to assam he was already like a firefighter or uh in in uh, in in many other states in the northeast he was the chief strategist of the party even then in other states of the northeast uh but it is it was certainly made more official during the during the the bjp era uh in the 2019 lok sabha elections he was also given charge of certain constituencies in bengal uh which were tmc bastions so they were not really expected to win those constituencies but he managed to divert the party's resources enough there for them to lose a lot of the other weaker constituencies uh and now as the chief minister uh he is already making a mark in uh other states when he goes there for whatever issue uh i mean see uh, he went to uttarakhand during the campaign and uh the the statements that he made might have been controversial but he still made his mark there i mean at a national level uh he was in hyderabad recently when there was this entire issue of the bjp president getting arrested and there was this entire controversy that happened with ksr so uh he he is already making a mark at a national level as the chief minister and uh that is uh something that many chief ministers do it's not uh something exclusive to him so uh but yeah it's already happening so someone has asked this question um and i'll give it the context also by sharing maybe a news report also so someone has asked how did the muslim community react when himanta biswa sharma decided to close down government run um, madrasas to I I think it's only fair that I share an article for transparency so that people would get a so this is the Hindustan Times before people accuse me of sharing friendly news sites the Hindustan Times says Assam is shutting down madrasas and Sanskrit schools so first of all aadhi story thi puri nahi thi question mein question mein wo Sanskrit schools wala part chhut gaya tha that's why I shared this article from the Hindustan Times okay. so what is this and how has been the relationship of Bis- the Himanta Biswa Sharma now with the Muslim community well he, he's very clear so the whole story is that look you're going to take government money i don't want religion in school if you take your religion to your, you that's the whole logic right we're not going to yeah. teach religion in school so if you take my money you teach secular stuff so so how has the mm. response been to this because he was very categorical i remember watching him on tv he was clear cut cut throat to the face saying i'm going to do this like it or not yeah so uh if you follow this story up obviously there has not we haven't seen any protests or anything like that uh with regard to this which is quite fantastic because uh what he has done is that he has uh actually done this uh with you know people from the community coming over and he having a discussion with them telling them why he's doing this uh now i don't know what has gone behind actually convincing them to 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 you know allow such a step to take place because uh it it obviously seems very counterintuitive but he has definitely managed to do that without raising any issue uh 
uh, and this particular issue of these madrasas being banned is an issue that only the national media has raised on the ground nobody has protested about this so uh, that is something that uh, that we should note while while discussing while talking about this issue this is very interesting so then let's sure. let's add to this also so because somebody has asked how did you know himanta biswa sharma reign in the the religious fringe you know they have used the islamic fringe i would add to this he's been very good at dealing with all kinds of fringe elements in in assam uh, because people don't realize that in a i don't know how to say it but even in the assam students association the agitation at that time they were opposed to the bengali language imposition it didn't matter if it was a hindu or a muslim right they were very clear we don't want your imposition in that sense so but how does he manage what is it about him that he manages to deal with the fringe so well so i think uh, i mean uh, I, i don't know what it is exactly about him but this is a this is a quality or a trait that we keep seeing through the years i mean whether it was during the assam agitation where there's this uh, there's this incident about how uh the bengali department wanted to put up a magazine in a wall magazine in cotton college and at that time there was a bengali vice chancellor in cotton college who said absolutely nothing doing until my sort of my my tenure finishes uh, i will not allow anything controversial to be put here and you know give all of you an excuse to sort of erupt and it was himanto bishwa sharma who was actually like the general secretary of the guwahati unit of the asu who went and told them that i am taking responsibility and nothing will happen and you should actually allow them to put their wall magazine there so such incidents have happened many times in his career where he is the one who has dealt with uh, dealt with any situation that can potentially you know erupt and can potentially cause a lot of trouble and uh, uh, whether it is the the entire bodo agitation which he dealt with during the torun gogoi era uh, whether it is uh, the, the the violence that broke out after the caa and how he sort of calmed the tempers and even now if you look at uh, the first press conference that he addressed after becoming chief minister the first thing that he said was that he he actually uh, invited paresh barua to come to the table for talks so uh, which is which is quite something as you know i mean as the first statement to make as the chief minister of assam so uh, so yeah i mean he is somebody who's 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 very fearless uh, and uh, somebody who has the ability to genuinely impress upon people uh, and he doesn't hesitate to use that at all uh, yeah so a good question is asked i know this this viewer is a regular viewer and a young guy so this guy has asked what is himanta sharma's economic policy is it tilted towards socialism or capitalism good young kid should ask about this yeah no so uh, basically what we see is that uh, so actually the state made massive uh, strides in terms of growth under him as finance minister in the sonowal government and even now we see that he is uh, definitely trying to leverage the actist policy and uh to make assam a, a kind of a hub uh for uh 
you know india's dealings with southeast asia so there is definitely that uh, thought process that is there in his government so uh, i mean it it looks like uh, this is certainly not somebody who will you know turn out to be a socialist or anything like that uh, or at least like not uh, not a worse socialist than any other socialist in the bjp for that matter but uh, yeah i mean that is how it looks at the moment and uh, this is uh, economics is something that he has always understood well i mean in fact at one point as part of the assam agitation uh, he had even advocated for uh, the bangladesh economy to flourish so that illegal immigration does not happen uh, so there is definitely uh, that kind of uh, th- that sense in him that you know he uh, he he must make the state more prosperous he has definitely he has reached out to some of the big corporate houses in india right after becoming the chief minister to bring investments there uh, i spoken to some of his ministerial colleagues who are saying that there is a lot of interest from uh, india inc to invest in assam now with uh, with him uh, at the helm so uh, so yeah i mean i think things are looking good in that uh, in that domain yeah another interesting bit that i did not know was his translation skills apparently he's a good translator too who seems to be translating books also as you as you as you mentioned in the book is the, the man's got a lot of uh, shades i have to say so <laughs> uh, maybe before we wrap today's discussion up uh, so th- here's my last question to you ajit so in this journey now the book is published uh, it's obviously out there um what was the most satisfying bit for you in the entire process and that's going to be my last question so the the most satisfying bit for me was definitely the two or three weeks that i spent with him uh because uh see i don't think a lot of people understand uh, see everybody has a political opinion it's easy to have a political opinion but very few people really understand what it takes and uh even as somebody who's you know continuously like commenting on political issues and seeing politics up close it was uh, it was a completely mind blowing eye opening experience for me uh because it was not just any other politician this was like a mass leader who was controlling the party controlling the government at several levels and uh i mean you had i, I saw how he spent his day it starts at 7 in the morning it ends at 3 am the next day uh, day in and day out there's not a single moment of peace there are people in his house constantly throughout the day from from the morning to, to till the evening uh, till the night i mean till the till the wee hours of the next day and uh, he has to uh, th- there is no you know that there is no escape for him he has to deal with everybody with all the situations that that come before him with with anybody who appears anywhere uh, to seek his help uh, so it's it's like and and he's doing it at multiple levels at the same time so it was like uh, coming across somebody who was really larger than life like a, a force of nature and uh, and uh, yeah i mean it was definitely something something very inspirational at a personal level i mean after that uh, after that experience i don't think i will ever tell someone that you know i don't have the time to do this or that you know yeah this is something that i cannot undertake and those kind of things because uh, i mean if you see that you know this is humanly possible 
it's people are capable of doing so much uh it by itself it's something that 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 inspires you uh, very much so yeah that that was the the most satisfying bit of the of this whole project well you know i had a great time reading your book ajit it it was very well written i i i loved the you know the few stories whether it was digvijay recommend digvijay singh recommending him or or uh, or later on you know you even share and i think it was the last two three pages where you talk about his you know how his deep spiritual connection and he actually has a devout understanding and quite a decent understanding of the hindu darshanas also which was very interesting uh, which shows many shades so first of all i would like to congratulate you for writing a wonderful book and you know uh, i hope you don't do this uh, just as a one off thing and you keep writing so once again uh, ajit thanks a lot for coming on the podcast thank you so much and uh, it was really an honor to be on this podcast finally because i've watched it uh, a lot over the last few months and i've, I've really been enjoying the content here thanks a lot ajit all right guys we'll wrap today's discussion up but once again please don't forget to buy this book so here's the way you can do it in the description of the podcast it doesn't matter if you're going to be listening to this on soundcloud or uh, itunes or google podcast or you're watching this on youtube when you go to the description of the podcast you will see the link to buy the book this is a fantastic book and why i'll tell you why i enjoyed reading this book i'll be very honest i'm very jittery when it comes to you know political biographies i i i i i get very jittery but i have to say i should be ashamed of myself because ajit has done such a good job aur wo mere se itna umar mein chhota hai magar main jhakmar aa raha hu idhar baith ke but uh, you know there are good writers out there so he's actually done a very good job in writing this book yeah there are many assets facets you know even the allegations on himanta biswa sharma he he has not shied away from sharing those also in the book so so i would recommend you guys go and buy this book because uh, you know if you want to form an opinion about such a vital political figure in indian politics it's always better to go and read a book so please i once again insist go and buy this book click the link on the description of the podcast and if you want to support my podcast please subscribe to the charbak podcast youtube channel or you can go and you know subscribe on spotify itunes google podcast and all the other portals and please leave your comments and reviews and like the video and if you want to support it monetarily you can become a member on youtube or you can become a subscriber on patreon or you can buy the charbak podcast merchandise on kushalmehra.com or send your donations to upi i will see you next friday next time i think friday yep friday ko main milunga aap logo ko until then namaste take care bye bye